Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast brought to you by Tricress. We are on a mission to make it happen for every ambitious SME on the planet and we're doing that by delivering you fantastic tried and tested business coaching and consulting through our app called Fuel My Business. We're also doing that through a network of talented and highly experienced Tricrest partners who are on the ground business coaches and consultants. But for today, you're going to hear from real life entrepreneurs and business owners who are on all kinds of journeys, the beginning, the middle and the end. We want you to learn from this and know that you are not alone. Enjoy. And welcome to the Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. I'm Rebecca Bonington and CEO and co-founder of Tricress. And with me today, I have one of the most experienced business people I have ever interviewed. I feel very privileged to be sharing his knowledge and expertise uh, with you today. His name is Andrew Robertson. He's the managing director of McClaw's Solicitors, and he's possibly one of the most entrepreneurially minded people I've ever met. Now, the the phrase lawyer and entrepreneurially minded don't normally go together. So, hello, Andrew. How are you? I'm fine, Rebecca. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem at all. Absolute pleasure. And and we're going to sort of handle this as a a cup of tea with Andrew. Okay, a chat, a fireside chat with a cup of tea with Andrew. And uh, way, way back, Andrew, when you trained as a lawyer, okay, how many years have you been in law now? I'm in my 50th year with McClure now. Brilliant. Okay, absolutely brilliant. At what stage did you begin the transition from McClure Solicitor's traditional law, law firm to the kind of firm it is now? And as you talk about that, I think our listeners are going to slowly learn how different you are talk us about how that transition happened where the ideas came from right uh well that's quite easy the 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 beginning of the journey the change happened in 1984 um you'll all have listened to band-aid and you'll hear it again at christmas ad nauseam but never mind it's a good tune uh, and that's that's what gave me the idea so mccores were founded on the 6th of august 1853 so we go yeah. way way back wow. um, um we won an award recently and when we went up for a prize uh, the, the person that gave us our award instead of telling everybody how clever we were and how innovative we were and what we won the award for. Uh, he did include some sweary words, which I'll not include, but he did say, what the so-and-so were you doing between 1853 and 1984? <laughs> because, and, you know, I shook his hand and said, thanks very much for that, because he did it. Uh, he carried it off well. So he was giving us a row for not having what I call the gumption uh, to take the business forward during that time. Because from 1853 to 1984, we were just a Greenock firm. So we weren't even a Glasgow firm. We certainly weren't a a UK-wide firm. 
Um, and we weren't even a big firm in Greenock. We were a mid-ranking firm in Greenock. We were bigger than some and smaller than others. Um, what happened in 1984? Uh, Band-Aid came along. We were all encouraged to, uh, you know, to give to charity. Uh, the legal profession introduced will aid, um, okay. you know, because people will either like solicitors a bit more or they hate us a bit less. You, know, you can take your pick on that. Um, but solicitors, being solicitors, uh, decided that you know we'll do wills free of charge, but only for one week every second year. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, we've got services and you know i call them products which i'm not supposed to we've got products and services at that time um lots of people in scotland were exercising the right to buy the council house and we were doing lots of that but folk only know what you do if you can reach them you know if they don't come in the door they don't find out what we can do for them uh, and i thought and i don't know whether this is entrepreneurial or just plain common sense um you know, why don't we, you know, do wills free of charge all the time? Mm -hmm. Because we didn't want to fall out with our brethren. Um, there was a, 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 a faculty meeting uh, and I suggested that we should all get together and we should all do this. Um, and I got short shrift. They said, we get paid for our wills. We're not going to do them for nothing. So I said, well, that's fine. You know, don't break our windows because we're going to do this on our own. Uh, and 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 we started uh, the free will scheme, you know. So that was uh, the, and we didn't really promote it. It just took off. Mm -hmm. So it was a free will for a donation, a voluntary donation for the local hospice. Everybody in the Greenock and Clyde area called these hospice wills, and we we tended not to promote this to our own clients. It was clients of other solicitors that came to us for right. a hospice will. Um, and that worked really, really well. And, and we developed a lot of business on the back of that. It was not unusual for we Mrs. Smith to come in to get a will made. We talked to her, have you ever thought about buying a council house? Well, how does that work? And since she would buy a council house, and quite often fill in the application at the same time as we're doing the will. Um, yeah. So it's just, if you've got a good service, then you've got to tell people about it. And that was, that was how we got that's how we got started. Um, so that was, that was quite brave because, you know, the your peers in the profession at that time definitely said, well, we're not doing that. So to, to stand out from the crowd and go, well, we're going to do it and we're going to do it alone yes. was quite risky, Andrew, yes. looking back. It's also something we have to explain to just about everybody. Uh, mm questions I get asked all the time is you know how enough can you afford to do a free will service because it is a free will service it's not it's not like some charities have a free will month uh, but it's only free if uh, if it's a simple will if it's a complex will you pay extra you only get free if you're over 55 um you know, there's an extra charge if there's a home visit we don't do that we've looked at that uh, but I decided no you can't have a free will with catches no, that, mm. That's just not right, and it's not going to work. Um, if it's a free will, so our uh, pitch to the market, if you like, is if it's if it's called a will, then it's free, and it doesn't matter whether you're 29 or 89. Age is not relevant, and if you need a home visit, that's free as well. Uh, we don't do a free will and then charge you for storage because the storage is free, and updates are free because if we didn't do the updates for free, they would just come back for a new will, which is free anyway. Yes. Um, but you're right, Rebecca, you know, again, 
maybe this is entrepreneurial spirit. You just bash ahead without and think, well, that's a good idea. We'll just go for it and see if it works. Uh, you know, if it hadn't worked, we would have pulled back from it. Um, at the moment, as a firm, we probably spend about 1.5 million a year providing a free will service. And, and when we do that, that's where the risk comes in. When we do that, all that we've got is cost. Mm -hmm. If everybody took a free will and nobody took a paid for service, you know, we would, we would go bust in no time at all. Yeah. Never made COVID, we would just go bust. Um, uh, but we find that 50%, more than 50% of people that come to us for a free will take a paid for service. Mm -hmm. And it's the, and that's the, and I, I don't know why we're the only people in the UK that do this, because to me, it just seems like common sense. Um, the free will service gives, the, the, gives us the volume of clients mm -hmm. uh, and half of them take a paid for service. The profitability from the paid for service funds a free will scheme. So yeah. without the free will scheme, we wouldn't have the clients. But with the clients taking the paid for services, we've got the profit to fund the free will scheme and it's putting the two together. Brilliant. Brilliant. So in a sense, we haven't reinvented the wheel. All we've done is turned it back to front. We're still a legal profession. We still do most of what we did before. But what we did before, we'd wait for somebody to come in for a conveyance or a divorce or court work or whatever, and then we'd offer them a will at the back end. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, and that means people have to come for a legal service, first of all. And what we've done is just put the will at the front. Brilliant. Absolutely and then brilliant. everything else comes from that. And how have the charities benefited from this? Because as you say, people make a voluntary donation to yeah. a charity. Um, and do you choose the charity or do they choose the charity? Two parts to that. There's a lawyer's answer for you. Yeah, a lawyer's answer. Yes and a no. Um, when people come to us, it's a free will for a voluntary donation for a charity of your choice. Okay. So we'll leave that entirely up to them. You know, they might come to us from St. Joseph's Hospice, but they'll leave the, leave the money to Cancer Research in your UK or whatever. That's entirely up to them. Uh, how the charities benefit? They benefit in several ways. Um, we get donations. Charities are mainly interested in legacies because that's bigger numbers. Yeah. But we get them both. It's not it's not a donation or a legacy. We'll get both. Almost everybody that comes to us leaves, you know, gives a donation. And I think 38% last year of people that only came to us for a free will and left a cash legacy for charity. Wow. Um, so we get the donations. Um, if they qualify for gift aid, which we're red hot on, then the nice people at the government give us a 25% gift aid uplift on the donation. So that makes a big difference. And we get the legacies. Uh, uh, figures on that last And if somebody takes a paid for service, like they take a, uh, a power of attorney, then we donate normally £30 from every power of attorney to the charity. You know, but that runs about 10,000 a month, you know, so it's 120,000 a year just in that part. So how much do you think over the years have you raised for charities in total? Well, it was just over 63 million last year. No. Yeah. That's about 300,000 300, of that was in cash and the rest of it was in pledged legacies. Um, yeah, so that, and, that's, and that's because we're getting bigger. Uh, we're now partnered with 199 charities. So the more charities we've got, the more business we get. Uh -huh. uh, and the better our consultants are at seeing people and encouraging them to leave a legacy. And so it's building, it's, you know, it's building all the time.
Um, I, I don't think we'll drop below, you know, 60 million a year. That's, that's absolutely incredible. Um, and it's so simple. Mm -hmm. It really is ludicrously simple. So how, how is that translated into the growth of your business? So uh, UK wide now, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. 50 offices throughout the UK. So 50, 50 five-zero offices. No, no, one-five. One-five, <laughs> right. Don't let me exactly. Yeah, give us time, give us time, we'll get there. <laughs> 15 at the moment, from Aberdeen, the north, uh, through Scotland, through the Midlands, through London, down to Truro in the southwest. Right, that's amazing, absolutely amazing. And not only are you giving money to charity now, but uh, and have done for years, but you've also, you're also sustaining quite a big workforce, aren't you? Um, how how big's the team these days? I think it's about 110 at the moment. Right. So I, I'm a huge fan of businesses being a key part of um, social development, community development. Uh, I, I firmly believe that if you create, if a business owner creates wealth, and that wealth is spun out through employees, through um, through you know employing people, giving tax back to the government. So your your business is not only employing about 110 people; it's giving all that money to charity. Um, there's no. What's the downside? Where's the downside, Andrew? Why isn't everybody doing this? <laughs> well, don't tell everybody. Why is everybody? Why is everybody not doing it? Um, I think there is a good reason for that. You need. I was always taught. My dad always taught me when you know when an exam was coming up and I was worried about my exam. I always remember my dad telling me, "Do your best. If you do your best, it doesn't matter whether you fail or you pass. Pass would be better. But as long as you've done your best, then that's that's all that anybody can expect of you. Um, and and that's what I want to do for McClure's. You know, before I retire, I want to see McClure's. It's not about you know building an empire. It's not about ego. And it's not about income either. I think if we've got good ideas and we've got good services, which I know we have, we want to be the best that we can. Uh, and I want all of our staff to be the best that they can. And we encourage them with your help, of course. We encourage them, you know, not to sit in a corner. If they've got good ideas for developing the business, if they've got the ability to help run the business, and a lot of them have, um, then we put them on the board, you know, you know, and we bring them on. Um, so I, I want I want McCrose to be as successful as it should be, um, and everybody that helps us to reach that goal to share in that success. So it's you know I was always taught if you aim high, you might not reach your goals, but you'll finish up higher than you would have been if you hadn't tried. And okay. and I think that why is everybody else not doing it? Because we know for a fact that there is nobody else in the UK that does this. No. Uh, I was invited um, some years ago down to London into the Treasury. Um, I didn't take my IHT planning leaflets with me that day. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were invited to take part in their legacy research campaign, what we call the Nudge Unit. How do we encourage people when they're making a will to leave a legacy for charity? And we took part in that campaign for them over a 13 month, and that was quite intensive. Uh, but uh, when I'm looking at the other solicitors that were in the group meeting, the inaugural meeting, I had to say, look, I think we're the wrong folk for you. Because everybody else there were ordinary solicitors that only did a role for people when they asked for it. Uh -huh. yeah. and, well, we're just going to skew your figures because that's our business. 
you know, we, you know, people come to us for their will, not, you know, not the other way around. Um, and they said, uh, well, first of all, they couldn't understand what we did. They certainly mm -hmm. couldn't understand why we did it, and they had no idea how we made it work. Um, uh, but they said, no, we want you to be part of it because your numbers are going to be huge. But we'll we'll take the way you work into account when we arrive at the decisions. So that, that was fine. But I always remember uh, one of the professors, I think from Bristol University, when I was being escorted out through the security, she stopped me at the door again and said, Andrew, I still haven't got this. How does this work for you? Why don't you go bust? Why, you know, how can you afford to do the free will? So I told her again. Um, so I think that's the advantage that we've got. Other people don't understand what we do, they don't like what we do, and they're not prepared to take the risk. Uh, long may it continue yeah well in, indeed and I, and I think um, and we you know as a business Trinecrest really seem to specialize in professional services we seem to be really good at working with professional services who do things slightly differently and I think I think there's a reluctance in professional services to follow a niche Mm -hmm. um, and to really specialise, I think a lot of lawyers in particular and accountants I'm thinking of tend to be quite general and try and be all things to all people. Now, you're not doing that. You've got a very specific market. You've got a very specific and there is product with a beautiful service wrapped around it. I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think product is a dirty word. Um, and uh, you were brave enough to, to take that leap of faith, if you like. What advice would you have for somebody leading a professional services firm who's wondering about what niche to follow, whether to niche down, whether to specialise or whether to remain generalist? I think that if you're a solicitor and you have a solicitor's practice and you want to be uh, all things to all men, and you want to be a general practice like we were from 1853 up to 1984. That's yeah. what we did. Anything that came in the door, we would have a go at. Um, even if we didn't know how to do it, we would take it. Oh, idiots, we would take it on and learn. You should, you should never do that. I think my advice to anybody um, in practice, because I think these days, you know, you can commoditize things to a large extent. You, you can monetize things to a large extent, but you can't do that for everything. Um, and my advice, and I think that's without being big headed, I think that's what we've done, you know, because we used to do everything. I mean, I've been uh, a conveyancer, an estate agent, an executive practitioner, doing probate work, an employment law specialist, um, civil court work with my going on, criminal court work, um, even a clerk to the income tax commissioners. You know, if it, if it came our way, we would, we would try to do it. But you can't be good at everything. And if you're average at everything, you're, you're going to make a living, but you're not going to be successful. You know, and you know, for anybody, my advice would be, you know, to follow a route, not necessarily down your niche market, but find out what you're good at and become really, really good at it, and then concentrate on that. Um, to the disadvantage of everything else, we don't do court work anymore. You know, it took us a long time to, you know, cast that aside because we've always done that. Um, uh, and we don't do employment work anymore. We don't do, you know, uh, you know, income tax work. We don't do. We concentrate on our core products, which are, I will if you haven't got one, what we call a testamentary trust plan, a better type of will if you've got one, power of attorney, 
prepaid probate plans did a variation to change somebody's will after they've died, which is just another variation on the will theme and inheritance tax planning. So we've got seven core products and that's what we major on. And we've become really, really good at mm -hmm. all of those. All the other work flows from that because we do a will for somebody and then they die, we'll generally do the probate. And that brings any state agency, state agency conveyancing, uh, probate, executive work, um, financial services, all those things. So we still do a lot of the things that we used to do, but the flow from the seven core products. Brilliant. Absolutely. That's really sound advice. I, I love that advice. You find what you're good at and focus on that, definitely. Yes, but if, you, if you're good at employment, well, focus on that. If you're yeah. good at something else, we've been just incredibly lucky because we've focused on estate planning, you know, primarily wills. So we've got a niche market, but I think it's the biggest niche market there is because it's like 50 million people in the UK are potential clients. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so where are you taking the firm? Where is it heading? Um, probably upwards and onwards, as somebody once said. Um, there are three things that we're trying to do. One is working with our charity sector, mm -hmm. which is um, you know building all the time. We want to have as many charities partnered with us as we, as we can. We used to you know we used to uh, approach charities and say you know can we work with you? That doesn't happen anymore because you know the brand is out there. So mm -hmm. we've got is coming to us you know not every day but near enough every day you know you know it was 199 yesterday and i'm sure by the end of tomorrow it will be 200 so right. charities are coming to us people we've never heard of are coming to us and 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 we take everybody on a because we want to and b because we can't say no mm -hmm. we want to build the charity sector so we're partnered with more charities and we want to work with charities to help them develop their fundraising in their charity sector. Um, for instance, charities are quite wedded to this idea of you know, the free will scheme or a paid for will scheme. Um, but, and I keep saying to them, but you're only, you're only reaching the people that don't have a will. Mm. Why don't have a will review or a will update service? Because we've got that as well. So right. then you're reaching, if people haven't got a will, we can service them. And if they have got a will, we can service them. That covers everybody. Yeah. Because 70% of people over 65 already have a will. And that's your target market if you're a charity. Mm, that's really interesting. So you're helping them think more entrepreneurially as well yes. and, and just think yeah. wider than that they're currently thinking. And whereas, so the charities, you're growing that, what else is coming up for the business? You said three things. Yeah, the second thing is uh, other UK businesses, which I'd love to name, but I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> the, the, these, you know, there's one big equity release business that we're, you know, effectively we're partnered with them, big right. financial services businesses um, that, uh, that, you know, and some of these are really, really big financial services businesses, but they've then found out what we do. Mm -hmm. uh, then they've said, um, after a meeting with them, and they've said, Andrew, we service lots and lots of clients huge numbers uh, and high value clients but a lot of them haven't got a will you know can you do the will yes of course we can a lot of yeah. them don't have a power of attorney because they're too busy but they need it more than anybody else yeah absolutely uh, uh, you know so we're partnering with uh, four big national companies at the moment um with a view to us not just doing wills for them but doing their 
estate planning and quite often you know they're big financial services companies so they invest money for people but they don't actually do the inheritance tax all uh, right okay but we can work with them and and do that so that's just sort of second exciting thing that we've got and the third thing is just to take our products and services direct to the market because because of facebook and google and you can do that without you know without um, huge cost yeah. We're doing that at the moment. We have a campaign running for Pearls of Attorney, um, and that's working well, very profitable because the spend is nothing compared to what we make. Um, we've got a campaign running at the moment, which is just in the very early days, but that's promoting a lifetime trust, a family protection trust, direct to the public. And we're trialling at the moment an online will service because charities like that. Um, our, I hate online wills because I think they're just they're just a recipe for disaster. If it's an online will, you know how if we pre prepared an online will for somebody and we've never seen them, how do we know uh, that the person making the will has capacity? Mm. How, is the granny making the will and not the grandson making yeah. the will or the granny and getting her to sign, thinking she's signing a blank piece of paper? You know, so you know it's. It's fraught with difficulty. Um, and the one that we've got is a hybrid. So it will be effectively an online application, but it will be an attended signing. Uh, okay. So we will see the people. Uh, and at the moment, because one good thing that's come from the pandemic is that we can, we're now allowed for the next two years to do the witnessing by video. Uh, very good. You know, so if they can't come to us and we can't go to them because of the virus, um, we can do the video. We can do watch the watch them actually sign the document by video, and we can sign it when it comes back into the office. So it's, it's really handy from from that point of view. But from a business point of view, um, if people were just using a pure online will service, all they get is a will. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Just... charge for that, so it give us income, but there would be no upsell from that. Yeah. We see them and say, well, you, you're having a will. Have you thought about a power of attorney? Oh, right. Well, I'll have one of them. Can you just, I know what a power of attorney is. Can you just explain to people what a power of attorney is? Many, many people won't have heard of it. Yes. Power of attorney uh, is a document that you sign appointing somebody you trust to look after your affairs and make decisions for you in case there ever comes a time before you die that you're not able to make those decisions, whether it's because you've lost capacity or you just don't get out and you want somebody else to uh, do the running for you. So a power of attorney is to cover you in case things go wrong before you die. We use the Martin Lewis video on this quite a lot because it's independent. He's the money saving expert. Mm -hmm. uh, and he tells people that everybody should have one and he's only 42 and he's got one. He also reminds people that one in three of us are going to die with dementia. Mm -hmm. um, so one in three of us is going to need a power of attorney. Yeah, so I think my first, I did my first will when I was about 27. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's because I got married and had a child and had a house. And I also, I didn't realise that time I should get a power of attorney. So I didn't get my power of attorney until I was about 36, 37, I think. Mm -hmm. um, and it's so important. It's so, so important that you have these things organised yeah. ahead of time, before it's too late, before you're running around in a panic. And people, 
people are funny aren't they Angie they don't like to think about things like that they don't like to think about death they don't like to think about it in case they're incapacitated but I, I think it's a bit like insurance if you if you mm -hmm. do the power of attorney you're probably never going to need it yeah yeah you're always going to need a will because there is the inevitable end to us all um but uh, the power of attorney is one of those things if you have it in place you're probably never going to need it so you may yeah. as well have it in place yeah I always tell people it's a bit like a seatbelt. You know, you know, we all wear our seatbelts these days, not just because it's the law, but because it's common sense. Uh, but you don't, you don't drive along without your seatbelt on, and then say, "Oh dear me, I think I'm going to have a crash. I better put my seatbelt on quick," because it is too late. You put your seatbelt on because it could save your life if you have a crash. Yeah. And that's kind of what a power of attorney. I also describe it and tell people to look at a, you know, a one-pound coin. It's got two sides. You know, on the one side, you know, the head side is, you know, everybody should have a will because you're all going to die sometime. Uh -huh. And the other side, the tail side, is a power of attorney. You should have a power of attorney in case something goes wrong before you die. So it's it's two sides of the same coin. Yeah. One <laughs> common Quite sense. Yeah. One, um, I've got a question for you about what keeps you awake at night. I know you've got to go, so let's be really quick on this. What what keeps you awake at night, if anything, Andrew? Um, the only thing that keeps me awake at night is service, uh, because I'm the sort of gung-ho entrepreneur wanting to drive the business forward and having all these new relationships and trying to make the most of them. So that's that's making us busier and busier. Um, and everybody thinks I forget the other side, which is just not true. I concentrate on the other side, um, because what we've got to do is not promise the earth and not deliver it. You know, we do promise the earth. We promise people that we'll service their clients, no matter how many they send to us. Uh, but then we've got to make sure we've got the right number of people and the right quality of people and the right processes and the right checking. Everything, the back end, everything has to be, everything has to be right. Because you know, once you put your head above the parapet, you've got to be good. Because mm. if you put your head above the parapet and you're not good, you're going to get shot down. Social media is really helpful. Social media, you know, if you don't provide a good service, you know, that's where people can crucify you. Um, but if you can provide a good service and you can increase the volume, then then you've got a business. Yeah, you do. But one one without the other. Good service without the you know, without the work is hopeless. And the work without the good service is even worse. Absolutely. Absolutely. Last question. If uh, the business had a personality, how would you describe it? Um I think enthusiastic, yeah, you know, because yeah, I like to think, and I think this is true of most of our staff, they get a buzz from working in McClure's. It's not a nine to five job. Um, one thing that we know for a fact that there's never a dull moment in, in you know, any day in McClure's, you know, you may be doing, you know, you may be doing convincing, you're doing point of need, you're doing those, but you know, every, everyone's for a client and every client is different. There's a theme to everyone. Um, but the things that we get asked, the demands that we uh, that are put on us, the questions that we get asked, the problems that people put in front of us um, that we generally overcome, these are that's what makes it interesting. Uh, and the fact that it's a business that's being successful even through the pandemic, we're still standing um, is is really good. And this is a special day for us because we're you know for the 
Paul Society of England and Wales to give them their full name, their excellence awards. We are shortlisted under Law Firm of the Year. It's in the small category, so they have a small category, a major category, and a large category. Small category must be the biggest category, obviously, yeah. and we are shortlisted for that. So we're in the last nine. Well done. Uh, and, uh, and the awards will be made at five o'clock tonight. Oh, well, good luck. That's a beautiful note to end the interview on. Andrew, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And best of luck tonight. Right. Thank you very much, Rebecca. I've enjoyed our chat. Thank you for listening to our Entrepreneurial Journey podcast. You can find us at tricrest.com and you can find Feel My Business there too. Answer the 12 questions in less than 60 seconds and find out exactly what's happening in your business. And then even better, learn how to fix it. Did you know you can access our Tricrest partners through Feel My Business too? Just upgrade your subscription and you can get access to them in a group coaching session once a month or even one-to-one. Enjoy. Thank you.